Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. General Motors drops the bomb. Seven plants closing uh, worldwide, including four in the United States. 14,000-plus jobs gone. Thank you, Donald Trump. Hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. Here we go. It is the Bill Press Show. And this is a big Tuesday, Tuesday, November 27. So good to see you today. Thank you for joining us here as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, with all the news of the day, uh, the news from Capitol Hill, the news from the White House, where I was there yesterday, uh, to watch the president hop on uh, Marine One on his way down to Mississippi, but not before stopping and speaking to reporters on a whole variety of subjects there on the south lawn of the White House. We'll tell you all about it. Um, And uh, Hunter Walker, who uh, was there I joined him uh, from Yahoo News. Uh, we'll be here. He'll be here with us to tell us even more about it. Latest from around the country, big uh, all eyes on uh, Mississippi and Mars. Yeah, somehow they're related, I think. Um, Mississippi, uh, big primary today. And we are on Mars, thanks to the NASA's InSight robot uh, or robotic geologist, they're calling it, which landed yesterday. News on many, many, many different fronts. And Democrats picking up, it looks like, yet another congressional seat in California. We will uh, tell you all about the news of the day. You tell us what it means to you, to your community, and to your family. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Can't wait to dive in, but first... This all right, is the full all right, all right. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. So, all right, just... I'm going to interrupt you. Go ahead. We talked about Christmas trees yesterday. Yeah, that's right. I have a little update. Okay. Just a little update here okay. from the New York Times this morning. For the, the so We talked yesterday about the right time to put up a Christmas yes. tree. Yes, it was the right time. And then we sort of went off into 
real or artificial yes. and when the right time to put them up, That's right? That's right, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so according to the New York Times this morning, according to the American Christmas Tree Association. Okay, which three, is a thing. Three, I never knew they existed. You three quarters of American households display a Christmas tree. Yeah. Three quarters. And get this, the vast majority, 80% are artificial. Whoa, Whoa! Really? 80%. 80% are fake? That, I mean, that, blow, that blows my mind. If you believe the American Christmas Tree Association. Well, why wouldn't I with a source <laughs> like that? I right. mean, look, I've I've always used the fake Christmas tree, but I thought that I was in the minority. I would have never guessed it was 80%. There you okay. go. All right, well, maybe I need to get a real Christmas tree. That's, that's just exactly. to bump those numbers up a little bit. Damn. <laughs> Okay, but I won't put it up for another couple of Just weeks. Just wanted to update you, worry. that's all. Sorry all right, to, thank you very much. No, 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 of course. All right, so uh, we just got out of a holiday weekend. Speaking of holidays, we just had Thanksgiving, which is usually a pretty big weekend for movies. Well, there was a big movie that came out, this new Robin Hood movie. Did you hear about this? Mm-mm, There's mm-mm. a new Robin Hood movie. The budget for this movie is reportedly around $100 million. So how did it do oh in the theaters? God. How did it do in the theaters? We had a four-day holiday weekend. It brought in $14 million. Oh, got a long way to go. Got it is to considered go. to be one of the biggest busts <laughs> of the year. I mean, here we are, right? We're yeah, near the yeah, end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of the biggest busts of the year. It's completely fallen flat. Again, I mentioned a $100 million budget. That doesn't factor in what they've paid for marketing money. Uh, so it... It's not good. It's not good. It's got a very bad score. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a score of like 28, and people just aren't going to see it. Well, can I say that in the age of Trump, robbing from the rich and giving to the poor, (laughs) it's not very popular, right? Good point. Yes, it's a very good point. I mean, look, you figure a story that everybody knows, people would want to go see some updated version of it. Mm. I didn't go see it. Apparently, nobody else did either. Oh, no, that's so pre-Trump. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Yep, we are. We are firing tear gas at children and babies on the border. But Donald Trump says, don't worry, this is a safe kind of tear gas we're using. Can you believe it? Ah, anything goes with that man. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we are. It's a Tuesday, Tuesday, November 27th. So good to see you today. We're just getting started, but we got lots and lots to talk about. That's why it's good to have you with us. Thanks so much for joining us and making us your uh, choice of the morning to uh, get up to date on the news before you get too far into the day uh, the, into the workday. We'll tell you what's going on here in Washington D.C., around the country, and around the globe. We got it covered. What's happening at the White House? I was there yesterday when the president took off for Mississippi. What's happening at the Congress with the House and the Senate coming back and one day before Democrats caucus to choose their new leadership team for the next session of Congress, where it looks like Nancy Pelosi, of course, has the inside track to once again become Speaker of the House of Representatives. Again, good to see you. Thank you for joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
Great to see you on television on the one and only Free Speech TV, coast to coast, and of course on the radio statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks, and all through the great city of Chicago and the greater Chicago area on WCPT Chicago, where that uh, winter storm really did its damage yesterday. Snarling traffic, lots of accidents there, and of course hundreds of flights canceled out at O'Hare as people were trying to find their way home from the Thanksgiving weekend. Lots and lots of news to talk about today. Yes, the big stories, of course, the word from General Motors, disastrous for American workers right here at this holiday time. Could not be worse timing for it. Donald Trump denies it has anything to do with this tariffs. We'll get into that. Cyber Monday, setting a new record yesterday. Yes, we are still a fire, well, still clashes at the border. Uh, No more tear gas yet, but Donald Trump defended using the tear gas because he said it's a safe form of tear gas that they're using. Paul Manafort, yet in even more trouble. He's already in prison, and he's in lying, says Robert Mueller, to federal authorities, federal investigators in his more most recent briefings. And yes, there is life on Mars, and it's not even Saturday night. Hey, let's start with uh, General Motors, though. Boy, that announcement came yesterday from General Motors, uh, a real disaster for the American economy. General Motors announcing that it is going to shut down several assembly lines, uh, just do away with four or five cars, not sell them anymore, including the Chevy Chevy Volt, one of our few electric cars. Uh, General Motors, they said they're going to cl- shut down seven plants worldwide, four of them in the United States, one more in Ontario. So the four in the United States, there are two in Michigan Uh, one in uh, Maryland, uh, just uh, outside of Baltimore, Uh, another one in Ohio, and one up in Ontario. Uh, That's almost 15,000 jobs, again, right here at the holiday time, that are gone. Uh, Mary Barra, the president of General Motors, said they're shutting their plants down because, uh, for a few reasons, uh, several factors, Uh, One of them, she says, these are cars that are just not selling. Uh, But another one is uh, she didn't directly blame the tariffs, but she did tell us in the spring when President Trump announced the tariffs on steel that the additional cost uh, for material uh, because of these tariffs would cost General Motors $1 billion at least and uh, force them to raise the price of several of those cars. Uh, yesterday, um, we remember, first of all, let's go back. Let's go back in the time machine. Just to last year, last year, uh, in 2017, uh, Donald Trump was, uh, ho- as president, holding a campaign rally um, out in um, Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, and he said, don't worry, though. Uh, I'm president now, so those jobs that, this is a year ago, the jobs that have been lost, the auto assembly plants in, in, in Ohio, don't worry. Trust me. Trust me. They're coming back. I was looking at some of those big, once incredible job-producing factories, and my wife, Melania, said, what happened? I said, those jobs have left Ohio. They're all coming back. They're all coming back. Mm-hmm. Coming back. 
Don't move. Don't sell your house. Don't sell your house. Yeah, right. Don't sell your house. Trust me. They're coming back because I said so. So uh, yesterday, you know the th- I mean, the thing about that clip, obviously, you know, Donald Trump is wrong, and and it's worth pointing out that he's wrong. But this is, it's very sad. Yeah, it's very sad yeah. because you have a lot of people you- who support Donald Trump in Ohio because they thought he was going to be the guy to actually bring the jobs back. That's what he promised. Right. They wanted someone to do something different. They believed him. They believed in. You Donald hear that Trump. crowd cheering? Yeah, they right? believed in him. Saps. Yeah, right? shouldn't have believed I, him look, in the first place. I, I agree with all that, but I understand why somebody who has been completely left behind would vote for Donald Trump when he says he's going to do these things for you. Right. Because here comes a guy in and oil. says, "I'm not like those other guys. Right. I'm not going to just stand here and let those jobs run away. Right. I'm a businessman. Trust me, I'm going to do it." They did, and he stabbed him in the back. Completely. And, and so those jobs didn't come back. And now there are 14,000 more jobs that are gone. And yesterday, again, I was right there. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen my shots of Donald Trump. I, mean, I was as close to Donald Trump as that chair right across the desk, right? That is a great endorsement to make sure you're following us on Twitter at BP Show. Because uh, uh, you've got some great pictures. I don't tweet all the time. I'm not <laughs> Donald Trump. Uh, but my tweets when I do are worthwhile. Okay. Quality, not quantity. Quality, that's right. Uh, at any rate, I was right, standing right alongside of uh, Eamon Javers. Javers from uh, CNBC when he asked the president, so did you talk to Mary, Mary Barra, the president of GM, yesterday? Uh, it's a question I was going to ask as well. And the president said he did. But listen again. Here's the same reflection. First of all, he said it had nothing to do with tariffs. Not true. Nothing to do with tariffs. And he sort of indicates again because I talked to her, they're going to they're gonna reconsider or they're going to bring some jobs back. You can hear that right here. We don't like it. Uh, I believe they'll be opening up something else. And uh, we're, I was very tough. I spoke with her when I heard they were closing. And I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. You better get back in there soon. That's Ohio. And you better get back in there soon. So, Yeah. So I think that, here he said, I think they'll be coming back. They're going to open some more things up. What's that based on? Nothing. Nothing at all, right? He gives that same false hope that these jobs are going to come back. And by the way, uh, one thing he said is true. We have done a lot for General Motors. We bailed them out, remember? (laughs) Bailed them out one time, and they came back strong, uh, and now again uh, they are shutting down. Michelle Krebs from uh, Auto Trader magazine uh, indicates on on the bigger picture... Uh, that what General Motors is really doing is realigning um, for the future in automotive manufacturing. General Motors has made it very clear it intends to be first and a leader in autonomous vehicles and electric vehicles. And they're spending a ton of money uh, and research and development in those areas. Uh, by the way, uh, so uh, that was 15, the, that 14,000 plus jobs is 15, think of that, 15% of the workforce of General Motors. I mean, that's huge. And again, could not come at a worse time. Uh, Senator uh, Sherrod Brown, our good friend from Ohio, yesterday said this was the uh, essence of corporate, he called it corporate greed at its worst. Um, yes, Senator Brown, you're right. I think it's also, uh, and I'm sure 
Sherrod Brown would agree with this, uh, presidential leadership at its worst, or lack of presidential leadership uh, totally. On the uh, General Motors front yesterday, and um, while we're at it, more clashes at the border yesterday, and uh, while we were out there with the um, with the president, he was asked also about the border. Uh, the president said, well, we didn't really want to use tear gas, he told us, but um, we had to. We didn't have any choice. We really had to. They had to use because they were being rushed by some very tough people. Yeah. And uh, they used tear gas. And here's the bottom line. Nobody's coming into our country unless they come in legally. Yeah, they're, they're, <coughs> they're really being rushed by some very tough people. Uh, you probably saw. I did. I saw it everywhere. That one picture uh, of the woman at the border with a baby in each arm. Yeah. Yeah, really tough, man. Call out the... Call out the U- U.S. military for that. Uh, one of the kids in diapers, the other one uh, to, to just kind of wearing his sandals. There was a tear tear gas canister on the uh, on the uh, on on the ground right alongside of them. Um, it's interesting. Um, the woman Buzzfeed has identified the woman. It was a f- photographer from Reuters who took that picture, which which really went viral. Uh, and she was she's identified by Buzzfeed as Maria Mesa. Uh, And she told BuzzFeed, quote, I felt sad. I was scared. I wanted to cry. That's when I grabbed my daughters and ran. I thought my kids were going to die with me because of the gas we inhaled. We are shooting tear gas canisters, tear gas across the border at women and children. Donald Trump says some very bad, very bad people. But I, 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 I particularly want to read that because you heard she said, that's when I grabbed my daughters and ran. What's the president call? Mothers who grab their daughters and run. The president calls them grabbers. In some cases, you know, they're not the parents. These are people, they call them grabbers. They grab a child because they think they're going to have a certain... Uh, they're going to have a certain status by having a child. You know, you have certain advantages in terms of our crazy laws. The man doesn't doesn't give a damn about people. About I mean, to 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 reach out and basically smear that woman. She's not really the parent of those little girls. She just grabbed them because she knows that we would feel sorry for her if she has babies. So she's a grabber not a mother not a parent she's a grabber god that's crazy man there's just no limit to how low he will go and again uh also there i miss he said that in mississippi yesterday um he um he said don't worry about this tear gas because this is a very special kind of kid friendly tear gas that we have the tear gas is a very minor form of the tear gas itself uh it's very safe have you ever heard of such a thing? Safe tear gas? Wait a minute. There is. There is no such thing. There is no such thing. Right. Um, at, at the um, White House yesterday, Donald Trump was also asked about, we talked about this yesterday, and we talk, we'll be talking uh, more about it a little bit later here on the show with Amy Harder from uh, Axios about the climate change report. Uh 
13 again, just uh, in case you missed yesterday, 13 federal agencies on Friday released a report uh, saying that climate change is a hell of a lot more serious than we thought, totally contradicting Donald Trump. Uh, it is real. It is serious. we got to do something about it or else we could lose up to 10% of the American economy uh, and never get it back. So Donald Trump, uh, his this is this is his entire summary of what he thinks about the climate change report uh, told he told us yesterday on the South Lawn of the White House. Yeah, I don't believe it. Oh no, no, I don't believe it. Oh, that's it. All right, good. Forget Great. that. Yeah, two hundred worldwide scientists uh, in a report to the UN said the same thing last spring. Thir- scientists at thirteen different federal agencies, part of his administration. Uh, said the same thing yesterday. Yeah, Donald Trump. Oh, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Maybe if you add all that up, <coughs> pardon me, that's why in the latest uh, CNN poll, I mean, sorry, Gallup poll this morning, President Trump's approval rating is now at 38%. Okay. So only four out of 10 Americans believe the president is doing a good job or approve of the job. Uh, that he is doing. Um, Again, so far, two years, the president has not gotten above 50%, nowhere close to it. (laughs) I think the highest he's been in all the polls is 45%. Trouble for Paul Manafort today, just running through the uh, big stories of the day. Uh, Paul Manafort, Robert Mueller, boy, I got to tell you, he's a tough cookie. So, uh, you know, Paul Manafort made a plea deal. Uh, and he was, um, uh, he's in custody. He's uh, serving, starting to serve his time. Uh, the judge hasn't given him the actual sentence yet. Uh, so they've been continuing to interview him. And yesterday, Robert Mueller came out and said that Paul Manafort has been lying to prosecutors, lying to investigators, even during the most recent briefings. Uh, that he has, uh, in in doing so, revoked, uh, not revoked, but violated his parole, the terms of his parole, uh, or the, uh, not a parole, the terms of his plea deal. And therefore, um, they're going to seek even a tougher prison sentence for Paul Manafort for, unbelievably, lying to the federal prosecutors once he made a deal with them to tell the truth he continues, according to Robert Mueller, uh, to tell lies and uh, and not tell the truth about things like uh, possible collusion with the Russians or even obstruction of justice. Uh, no tears shed for Paul Manafort, right? Uh, he knew what he was doing. He got in bed with Donald Trump. And again, when you sleep with dogs, you get up with fleas. And boy, he's got them. We'll see what happens. Um, but it, everybody says that this means that he's going to serve more time in prison than he would have normally. <clears throat> Dummy. Down in Mississippi, t- t- today's a big day in Mississippi. Oh, man, if you are joining us from Mississippi, get out and vote for Mike Espy. It is so important. Donald Trump down there yesterday and saying, you got to vote for Cindy, Cindy Hyde-Smith, of course, who has shown, uh, like Jeff Sessions, to have such a disgusting racist past. Not that far behind, uh, went to an all-white segregated academy, sent her daughter there, proudly picture of her on her website wearing a Confederate cap. 
uh, and um, and then of course most notoriously saying that if uh, this one supporter of hers invited her to a public hanging, she'd be right there in the front row. But Donald Trump, <laughs> he doesn't care. He's as big as, as big a racist as she is. So he just said, just got to hold people down in Mississippi. Just get out and vote for Cindy. We need the people of Mississippi to go to the polls and elect Sidney Hyde-Smith so that we can continue doing what we're doing, which is frankly unprecedented. Oh, unprecedented. Yes, unprecedented. Uh, but down there in Mississippi, of course, in his two appearances yesterday, um, as always, it was not really about Cindy Hyde-Smith, right? All these rallies are really about Donald Trump. And he had a special, a special, you know, relationship uh, with Biloxi, Biloxi, Mississippi, which everybody knows is the home of, right? We love Elvis. I, I shouldn't say this. You'll say I'm very conceited because I'm not. Oh, no. But other than the blonde hair, when I was growing up, they said I looked like Elvis. You see that? Could you believe it? <laughs> no, that's what one thing on for sure. Earth? That's one thing for sure. He's not conceited. No, no, no of course not. <laughs> when he was, I remember when he was asked, what are you most thankful for for Thanksgiving? Yeah, what do you have to be thankful for today, Mr. President? He said, me. I have, mostly I have to be thankful for me because I'm such a great leader because I've done so many great things for this country. That is dangerous. That is damaging to myself, (laughs) to my little daughter, to my father, to my friends, my doctor, to everybody in my relationship with you, Mm -hmm. my relationship with people on the stage. It is dangerous. I will pull your damn tongue out by the roots. (laughs) By the way, he not only looks like Elvis, he sounds like Elvis. I was going to say, man, like I hear it 100%. Oh, oh yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I'll pull your tongue out. By the roots. I got sick here that one night. I had 102 temperature. They wouldn't let me perform. <laughs> From three different sources, I heard I was strung out on heroin. <laughs> I swear to God, hotel employees, Jack, bellboys, freaks that carry your luggage up to the room, <laughs> people working around, you know, talking. <laughs> and I was sick. I was, you know, I was getting, had a doctor, had the flu, and I didn't get over one day. Was I? But all across this town, I was strung out. So I told him earlier, and don't you get offended, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to somebody else. If I find or hear the individual that has said that about me, I'm going to break your damn neck, you son of a bitch. Elvis and Trump do have that oh. same rambling oh, style yeah. that you don't yeah. know where yeah. it's going to end no. up. Exactly. And it usually ends up somewhere violent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Uh, they are, um, there they are, uh, one and the same. We love Elvis. Yeah, we love Elvis. We love Elvis, don't we, folks? And what I've done for this country is, frankly, uh, unprecedented. That's right. But, of course, I'm not conceited. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, okay. Now we got that straight. Right, exactly. Hey, uh, the, the news continues to get better and better for Democrats in the House of Representatives. This is this one surprised the hell out of me. We uh, t- said yesterday uh, that the the count as of yesterday was uh, that the Democrats had picked up all seven of the congressional seats in deep red, what used to be deep red, Orange County, California, um, Reagan country, John Wayne country, Trump country. Now, 
democratic country, blue, all seven of those, which which meant that the delegation, the congressional delegation, which is 53 members of Congress, was at that time 45 Democrats and eight Republicans, which I said I thought was a good start. Well, it's changed yet again. Um, CNN reporting this morning that in California 21, which is Kern County, by the way, that's Bakersfield. That's Kevin McCarthy's country. It's right outside. So he's the district adjacent to Kevin McCarthy's district. Uh, Republican by the name of David Vallado. CNN, AP, everybody had called that race for Vallado, the Republican. Yesterday, they got some more ballots. They were still counting ballots. And yesterday, the Democrat, T.J. Cox, went ahead of Vallado by 400 votes. Holy cow. So that looks like another one. I mean, they're running out of ballots now. It's hard to hard to believe that's going to go back the other way. Still not totally resolved, but looks like it's going to be yet another one, which means <laughs> that the Republican Democrats will have 46 out of 53 congressional seats in California. Donald Trump, is, Trump and Republicans might just, just, just as well stay out of California. Right? Well, you know, this is something I talked about last week, and I, I, obviously you know this area a lot better than I do, right? But people just have in their minds <laughs> California, blue state. California is reliably a blue state. More than any other state. And it is. Uh, just me, me, meaning because it's bigger. Yeah, 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 yeah. 53. But there is, Congress. but there is, there used to be that very, oh. very, very conservative area of California, reliably conservative area of California that you've talked about before, going behind the Orange Curtain. The, the Central Valley and Orange County and San Diego for the most part. Yeah. yeah. No, no longer. And then even the North Coast. I mean, the Bay Area and L.A., you know, and the coast you sure. can count on, right? All the rest was purple at the at best, right? It's crazy, man. No. Yeah, really slipping. Uh, and another race that's uh, definite now is that the Republican Mia Love, the only African-American woman member of Congress, uh, has lost her seat for sure out in uh, Utah, she, so this means the flip side of that is, yes, Democrats picked up a congressional seat in the reddest of the red states in Utah. Uh, remember, uh, it was Mia Love that uh, Donald Trump, on the day after the election, before the race had officially been called, he uh, announced that she had lost and said he was glad she had lost because she didn't uh, accept his embrace and didn't invite him. Mia Love showed me no love. Mia Love showed me no love. That's exactly what he said. Uh, Mia Love yesterday saying, why would Donald Trump say that about another Republican? Now, when the president, when President Trump took a jab at me, because he said, because he thought that the race was over, and he lamented that I wouldn't ask him to come to the state of Utah, I was somewhat surprised at first. Um, but with every decision I make, I have to ask myself again, at what cost? The president's behavior towards me made me wonder, what did he have to gain by saying such a thing about a, federal, a fellow Republican? It was not really about asking him to do more, was it? Or was it something else? Well, Mr. President, we'll have to chat about that. Well, maybe, Mia Love, it is something else. Maybe it's because you are an African-American woman. You don't have to look beyond that. Pretty, yeah. I mean, it's pretty. Join easy the to ranks spot. of Omarosa and Maxine Waters, and go go right down the list. Uh, before we take a break, 
One bit of good news yesterday. We told you 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon was the time for the landing on Mars of NASA's InSight robotic geologist, they call it, and score. Touchdown confirmed. What a huge success. It's going to be there for two years. It's going to probe the digging down 16 feet into the crust of the of the, the planet Mars. Uh, the, just the one thing they have to do, they got to get somebody to wipe off the lens on the camera. Yeah, right. It was a little dusty yesterday. But you understand why, of course. But Yeah, you know. they can get away with it. It's day one. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll have some, some way of cleaning that lens so we get some better pictures than the one they sent uh, they sent yesterday. Great lineup of guests today. Anisha Singh from the Center for American Progress will join us uh, talking about the border. Hunter Walker covers the White House. I was there with him yesterday uh, for Yahoo News. We'll to get into all things Trump. But joining us first, Amy Harder from Axios on the climate change report and uh, what we can expect to happen because of it. Coming up next, so we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Don't forget your comments on the news of the day. On Twitter, at BP Show. Follow us on Twitter, at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Tuesday, November 27, uh, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers. Boy, I appreciated their work when I went up the World One World Trade Center um, last week uh, in New York. They're the ones that... Uh, built that great building and finished it off among those union workers who built that building. The iron workers building our communities today and ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, if Congress ever gets its act together, check out their website at ironworkers.org. And we welcome to the studio Amy Harder, who covers climate issues, uh, energy issues for uh, the great Axios, axios.com. Hello, Amy. Nice to see you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we've been at it for a while. I uh, wanted to check in with uh, comments. Peter? Yes, indeed. A couple of comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Okay, uh, so on uh, the California situation, Romaine, our buddy Romaine from Chicago, says regarding California, look at what happens when you actually don't concede on election night, and actually count all of the absentee ballots and oh, other gee. votes. Yes. Yeah, what a novel concept before. <laughs> also, shout out to Stanger. Stanger is a new uh, viewer, listener to the show. Stanger says, Bill, I never saw your show before. I just came across it while I was channel surfing. Same anti-American talk this country doesn't need. Congrats, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, go away, like idiot. Yeah, I figured you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. If you have There's a comment, another channel called Fox. Yeah, you might, you might like yeah, that. You might be happier there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you have any comments on any topic at any time, find us on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. All right. Uh, yeah. So, Amy, um, I was down at the White House yesterday when the president was taking off for um, uh, Mississippi, and he stopped and talked to us on the South Lawn. Uh, he had some very profound, detailed criticism of the uh, climate change report which came out on Friday. Um, obviously, he had spent a lot of time over the weekend at Mar-a-Lago studying the climate change report. Here was his analysis. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. There you go. How about it? Uh, do you think he ever read it? 
I mean, I think this is par for the course for the president and climate change issues and other issues as well. I mean, I I, I don't think we should uh, expect him to take the time to read this report. Uh, I, I've likened this to. By sort the way, of, I would give him that right. If I were president, I probably would not read sixteen hundred pages. But I I know that I would want a pretty detailed briefing. And an executive right. summary. Right. As, as I was saying, I think yeah. um, I, I don't expect him to uh, read it. And I also don't expect him to suddenly change his mind and say, oh, yeah, because there's a 1600 page report. I suddenly decide to acknowledge that climate change is real. That's not how the politics of the Republican Party and climate change work. It is not about the science. It is about the policies that the science says is necessary, which necessarily involve bigger government. And Republicans don't like that. So it's actually quite simple. Senator James Inhofe, when he went on the Rachel Maddow show a few years ago on MSNBC, he said this, and I quote, or I paraphrase, uh, I should say, but you can find this online. He, Senator Inhofe, a Republican from, from Oklahoma, who's one of the biggest climate skeptics there are, he, he was actually for climate change until he found out how much it cost. Uh, so this is not about the science. It's just easier to deny and ignore the science than it is to have a substantive debate about a very, very difficult problem. Okay. But what are this? The, the, to me, there's an internal contradiction there. Of course uh, there is. I mean, it's, it's. But if you talk that's about the not cost of whatever changes might be necessary to the way we produce electricity or something, I'm not sure what those costs are. But whatever they are, you have to compare them to the costs, which is which this report on Friday spoke to, the cost of doing nothing and the cost to the long-term cost of the economy, correct? Right, so are we def- talking short-term versus long-term? Exactly. And that's, you know, a classic challenge that humanity does a very job, very bad job at prioritizing long-term priorities for short-term gains. And of course... Um, but the, I'm not excusing these politicians. I'm yeah. simply explaining yeah. uh, no, I understand. their positions. Right. And so, you know, no matter what, there will be costs if we ignore climate change or if we act on climate change. I think most of uh, the the expertise out there shows that if you act on climate change, there will be losers. Coal will decline. It is already declining in the U.S., but not as much around the world. But there'll also be a lot of gains. So there'll be losses and there'll be gains with climate, um, with acting on climate change and reducing carbon emissions. Um, not acting on climate change is less clear who the winners will be. Now, there will be winners, in fact. It'll be insurance companies and <coughs> people building seawalls. You know, there'll be people out there trying to make money on climate change getting worse. But I, the, the literature I've read, it shows that the costs will be less even and, and messier if, if we don't act on climate change. I think they're enormous if we don't act and manageable if we do. Um, but let, let me, let's back up and not assume that everyone was uh, glued to the tube Friday afternoon after Thanksgiving when this report came out. And tell us a little bit about the report. First of all, 13 federal agencies. Right. This is um, a report that's required by Congress every four years, and it's required by law. It was initially uh, required as part of a a law that uh, Republican President George H.W. Bush uh, put into place back in the late 1980s. So it's been something that's been done for a while. And it's input about 13 federal agencies. 
And this is actually the second half of the report that was initially released about a year ago, again, under the Trump administration. So this Mm -hmm. is just continuing what I call a split screen strategy. You have the, the president tweeting, mocking climate change, global warming, saying if it's cold outside, Uh, It must not be real, which, of course, is not true. Um, And then on the other hand, you have the administration not doing anything that could really legally jeopardize them. Now, there's some experts out there, those with a bias against the president, who say that issuing this report, acknowledging climate change, saying that there's going to be big costs, and then rolling back uh, climate change regulations that were issued under President Obama, they say that could put them into some legal jeopardy. I think that's a little bit too soon to tell. I think the bigger legal issues would have come up if they had tried to stifle the report. Right. Uh, on the on that famous tweet of the president's... It, Which, so, by the way, is almost identical to one that he did uh, last Christmas. Last Christmas, right. Yeah. That, oh, it's, it's like... The Macy's Day Parade, right? The Thanksgiving Parade. It was the coldest day, coldest day ever for the Thanksgiving Parade. Whatever happened to global warming? I mean, as if, if for global warming, there will never be another cold day, right? Right. And part of the problem. What's wrong with that? Well, part of the problem with climate change is that it is very complicated. And most people don't like to engage on most complicated topics. I mean, there's a a huge contingency of the United States public that doesn't even know who the vice president is. Should we ask them to get... uh, They're lucky. Right. But (laughs) that was under President Obama as well, I should say. Yeah, you're uh, right. It's just we, we can't expect people to really understand something as complicated as climate change. And I think... Uh, the brief scientific explanation is that climate change creates more extreme extremes. So there could be more extreme colds. It's not like it won't be cold and it won't snow anymore. But from from a fake news perspective, it's really easy to fake climate change news, uh, which is really unfortunate for this issue. I mean, we're we're having a hard enough time talking about you know, whether or not Trump's inauguration crowd was the biggest, when you can point to a photo that simply shows that it wasn't climate change, you can create a chart that shows anything. Um, And that's why this is so complicated. Right. So the report did did talk about the cost, particularly the cost to the American economy. Right. Right. Uh, Stating what? Stating that without any action to curb emissions, and that some of these impacts are already underway could cost hundreds of billions of dollars. I think the outer range was something like 10 percent of the GDP. But that's a relatively extreme um, number that I wouldn't where would that damage, put in the headline. Where would that damage uh, be felt? I mean, I think it's, it's very uneven. I think, you know, the Southwest, there'll be a lot of fires. I mean, the, the California fires are a great example of how climate change is impacting us today. I've likened climate change to diabetes for the planet. It's not cre- it doesn't start the fire, right? Nothing. Climate change isn't out there with a with a match. Mm-hmm. But as soon as the fire starts, it makes it worse. And that's what diabetes is like for people who get who have a health condition. Diabetes makes it worse. And so that makes it difficult sometimes to pinpoint the cost because you can say, oh, this wildfire is really expensive because forest management has been bad. Well, that's true. It's also true that climate change is making it, it spread faster and quicker because it's so dry. Right. Uh, and the report did say that the Cal- what we see in California, which now it's a basically a 12-month fire season, it used to be maybe three or four months, um, could spread to the south rest to the southwest and to the southeast as mm-hmm. well, where we did see a big fire earlier this year or last year. Yeah, right. right. I, to your question, you know about. But, well, I'm sorry. I'm just about the cost. I mean, you'll see it in wildfires. You'll see it in more frequent flooding. 
in Florida and other places. And we're already seeing a lot of this. Mm-hmm. And we have this debate raging here in Washington about whether or not this issue is real. But then you have city officials uh, in Florida and elsewhere dealing with this. And so on a daily basis already. And right? so it's 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 hard to to sort of combine these two conversations, but you have to both adapt to a warmer world that we're facing today, regardless, but also try to mitigate it going forward. Climate change is not this binary thing. Are we going to solve it? Or are we not going to solve it? Right. Uh, other segments of the economy, the report talked about, as I recall, agriculture particularly. Right. Uh, I think in the Midwest, you're going to see crops um, f- having a harder time to grow because of, of droughts. I, in fact, uh, grew up on a, a, a cattle ranch in eastern Washington state. And I was just talking to my family the other day. And, and apparently there's this new insurance program where if it doesn't, um, if there's no drought, um, farms and ranchers actually get money um, because the insurance companies are insuring against droughts. And this is a new program over the last couple of years. And those are the types of things that you're going to see. Now, I will say, you know, climate change is on a net, uh, a negative for uh, the planet. But there's going to be some positives. For instance, farmers in, in Canada are being able to grow crops that they couldn't grow. And I'm not saying that to say that we should. Right. Yeah. It's just this is a really nuanced issue. And I think in order to have a substantive conversation, I think it's important to be like, yeah, there'll be some positives. But, hey, those positives do not outweigh the negatives. All right. So this report, again, by these federal agencies, really echoes the report that came from the United Nations uh, last spring, right, which was a global uh, scientist all around the world. Right. That report, um, which was a long time in the making um, by the United Nations, uh, basically laid out what it would take to uh, limit t- uh, global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. It's technically which possible. Which was the goal of the Paris well, Accord. Correct. correct. The goal of the Paris Accord was to limit well below 2 degrees Celsius, which one could assume to be 1.5 now, that report said that technically it's possible, but polit- politically it is almost impossible. I just did a column the other day. I have my weekly column at Axios Harder Line. Axios Harder Line. Yep. I yep. like that. Thanks. Uh, Harderline.com or Ax- no, Axios.com, Ax- and then you can find it on there. Got it. And, you know, I did a column the other day that was just, you know, I laid out some of these really stark numbers. I mean, the UN report uh, says that we need to. Uh, get to zero net emissions within the next 30, 35 years. Because that's 2050, which it seems far away, but actually it's only 30 it's years. It's not, yeah. And we haven't had a year where we haven't increased emissions uh, absent economic crises since the Industrial Revolution in this world. There's been a couple of years where they haven't grown, but they've never decreased except mm. for when the, the world economy So it's an impossible goal. You know, that's it's it looks pretty impossible to me. And and some people criticized me and said, oh, you're throwing in the towel. And it's like, well, I'm a journalist. It's not my job to hold the towel, let alone throw it anywhere. And I was simply laying it out. And, you know, you can uh, score in the messenger if you want. That's fine. I have um, as our, our founder, Jim Vandehei, says, you have to have skin like a rhino mm-hmm. in this world. Um it's going to be very difficult, which is why I think this conversation and this report uh, that the U.S. government just released is so important. Things need to be start being done today to adapt to this world, even while we continue this debate about how to reduce emissions. Right. Um, and um, we did have a, a step toward that with the clean power plan under Obama, right? Which, right. In terms of existing coal-fired plants or new 
Mm -hmm. um, and those that plan is gone. Right. I will say, though, that that plan was actually in a very unusual step by the Supreme Court in February 2016. They actually temporarily blocked that regulation, given the unprecedented nature of it. So it wasn't in effect when mm -hmm. oh, when Trump uh, began the process of repealing and it wasn't going into effect anytime soon. Uh, it was a significant regulation for the symbolism of it. The, the electricity sector here in the United States is already reducing emissions at a pretty startling rate, um, regardless of regulations. Um, so and actually, the Trump administration issued a replacement regulation that technically and legally does regulate carbon emissions from power plants. And that will insulate them from uh, loss uh, from losing in court. Um, now, it doesn't do much. It's very it's pretty toothless, but it still technically regulates it. So so um, California this year, uh, Governor Jerry Brown signed legislation. Uh, I'm, I don't have it exactly right, but basically zero emissions by 2050 or mm -hmm. something like that. It's a hundred percent zero emission uh, by 2050. I think that's what it is. Is that? And it's not just renewable energy. It's it can be other things. You, they can import uh, nuclear power, for instance, which is pretty controversial in California. Um, so it's a very significant law. And I think in the absence, is it doable? Well, I think California will be the test case. Uh, I I but chatted. When, when with, you think about it, when you the fifth largest economy in the world, right, of the largest state in the United States, if California can do it, then why can't other countries do it. Well, I think, or our country do it. I think California is not states. is not nearly as dependent upon coal as a lot of other countries and a lot of other states in the U.S. are. So, um, I think it just really depends on where you're talking in the U.S. and and where in the world. I spoke with um, Ernest Moniz, but, but it still needs a lot of energy, right? I mean, you've got oh, a yes. lot of homes, right. a lot of electricity. Mm -hmm. It's got to be generated somehow. If not by coal, then. Right. And right now, uh, California gets a lot of its electricity from natural gas, which, of yeah. course, is cleaner than coal, but still emits uh, carbon mm -hmm. emissions. I spoke with Ernest Moniz, uh, Obama's uh, former, former energy, energy secretary. secretary. Right. Correct. Right after that law passed. And he he was, of course, praising the law, but he also outlined some really big challenges, like how to store uh, wind and solar power, which, of course, when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining. He's not talking about for a little while. He's talking about for days and weeks and months, because that's the type of thing that we're going to need if we're going to have this type of build out of renewable energy. He also talked about land development. You're going to need a lot of land for wind and solar. You talk about nimbyism, not in my backyard. That type of protest and opposition uh, affects every type of energy source. When it's in your backyard, you're not going to like it. A lot of people anyway, um, whether it's an oil drill or a wind turbine. And so there's going to be a lot of challenges. And I think California will be the test case for that. And it'll continue the further separation between a lot of the U.S. and California. You know, we already see, uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's wrong, but <coughs> pardon me, we already see a lot of fields with solar, full of solar panels these days, you know, and uh, I'm sure I understand NIMBY, but if it's a choice between having a field full of solar panels, which emit no pollution and make no noise, as opposed to a coal-fired power plant or a refinery next door, right, or a toxic waste dump, people are going to say, put in the solar panels. 
It's usually not in either or. And in a lot of the opposition has been more to wind turbines, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it, right. the infamous story is that uh, the the world, the U.S.'s first offshore wind project, Cape Wind, was proposed for off of um, Martha's Vineyard. It, it, it was opposed by uh, the then Senator Ted Kennedy from from Massachusetts. And the, this it was only after he died that um, Senator John Kerry, eventual Secretary of State, came out to support that project. You know, and these are Democrats, big climate champions, and they did not want to see those wind turbines from their windows. Right. It hasn't. I don't think it, that one hasn't been. It, it's, it's done. It, it's it never done. went through. And never I would say through. it's largely but, due to this nimbyism. But the one that did go through is off Block Island. Mm-hmm. And now there's this huge. Which I see every summer from Rhode Island. And by the way, it's not bad. I don't. I don't it's, mind it either. No, I, I see wind turbines all over Washington State. I, I think yeah. they're kind of nice, yeah. but not everybody shares that opinion. I will say the one bright, the one bright spot from a renewable energy perspective, and Trump, the Trump administration, is that they're they're facilitating a lot of offshore wind leasing, um, and they're supporting it. Mm-hmm. And I think they see it as one issue that Trump didn't really, sorry, Obama didn't get his hands on too much. And they see that they can actually own this issue. And there's renewable energy executives that are happy with what Trump is doing. By the way, just to give him credit, because it takes uh, a lot of courage to um, swim upstream on Fox News. Uh, Shep Smith yesterday, I think the one sane voice on Fox News, uh, spoke to this climate uh, report uh, and put it in perspective, I thought. The climate science is accepted science. Governments across the nation are spending billions of dollars preparing for what is to come. The U.S. military, too. Billions of dollars. This is not a political issue. It's science. Uh, I wish it were not a political issue. Um, Bill Gates spoke out about this yesterday. Now, he's spending a lot of money on renewable energy. So what, what is his take on this report and what we ought to be doing? Well, yeah, he he spent a lot of money. He has this venture fund with other billionaires like Jeff Bezos and Michael Bloomberg, um, where they're investing in, in not just typical renewable energy, because actually renewable energy, wind and solar are doing pretty well and they don't need. They're growing. They're growing yeah. and, and they're definitely on an upward trajectory. Um, Mr. Gates's <laughs> focus is on sort of the tougher tougher areas of the global economy that, you know, even if we had the entire electricity sector uh, be powered by wind and solar, it's still only 25 percent of the problem. And it's so therefore, if we solve that, we're still not solving the problem. We need to we need to revolutionize everything about our global economy from the way that we make steel. I mean, the process to make steel and cement emits CO2. Um, and we use CO, we use steel in, in, wind, in wind turbines, for instance. So he's putting money into things like that. And, you know, he he's not bothering himself with trying to change President Trump's mind, which in this interview that I did with my uh, my colleague, Ina Freed, for we have we had a limited series on HBO. And that's what we Mm -hmm. ran this for. You know, we really pressed um, Mr. Gates about his interactions with President Trump. He's met with him a couple of times and tried to press him on this. And and we tried to get him to say, to try to express how he really feels, because we can't imagine he's thrilled with what's happening. And he and he wouldn't do that. He is instead sort of employing people to realize that we can't just focus on a sliver of the problem, which is a little wonky, I'll admit, but I do think it's important. But, but you know, he does see the big picture, right? And he's got enough money and resources that he can afford to. Right. right. Uh, you know, one of the last things he Thank said God. to us, right, <laughs> one of the last things he said to us was that 
you know, he thinks like the women's movement in response to the Me Too um, allegations are going to be stronger out of the Trump administration and the Trump era. And then he contrasted that with climate change. And he's like, I don't see the same with climate change. You know, the economy is doing pretty well right now. People are focused on climate change. But I bet you that the second the economy starts to go bad and tanks, concern about climate change will drop. That's how it happened in the past. And I anticipate it'll happen in the future. And so I agree with Mr. Gates. And, and then I concluded it saying that, well, at least Mr. Gates whose net worth is shy of $100 billion, will be able to continue focusing on this. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's good he's out there, folks, on this big issues. And it's good that you're there on Axios reporting on this, too. Amy, nobody's uh, on more on top of it than you are. Well, thanks for having Thank me Thank you on. so much for coming in. Again, you can follow Amy at Axios.com and check out The Harder Line on Axios. Quick break. We'll be back with Hunter Walker from Yahoo News, fresh from the White House. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. GM drops a hammer yesterday, closing seven plants worldwide, four of them in the United States, over 14,000 jobs lost. But Donald Trump says, don't worry, they're coming back. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Tuesday, November 27. So good to see you today. Thank you for uh, being part of the program. Joining us wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, we're right there alongside of you online, on the radio, and on television. And it's good to have you with us today with lots of busy, busy news day and lots to talk about. Uh, yes, the GM announcement yesterday, big primary in Mississippi today. Uh, Cyber Monday setting a new record yesterday. Robert Mueller saying Paul Manafort is still telling lies to his investigators. And uh, there is life on Mars. Well, at least there's a robot on Mars that we planted there successfully yesterday. A huge success for uh, NASA uh, and American scientists. Uh, To cover all of that, particularly the goings-on at the White House, nobody better than our good friend from uh, Yahoo News, covers the White House for Yahoo, Hunter Walker. Uh, stirring up trouble yesterday right there on the South Lawn of the White House with my help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, I saw you in the scrum there, you know. <laughs> scrum, that's it. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking this morning, I was listening to NPR, and they played a clip of Trump at the White House yesterday, and I wondered whether, you know, average people who don't go to the White House are wondering why it always sounds like there's a jet engine whenever the president speaks. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's what he likes to do when the heli- with the helicopter uh, in the background. We had lots and lots to tell you about yesterday's scrum 
on the South <laughs> Lawn of the White House with uh, Hunter Walker. And don't forget, send us your comments on the news of the day on Twitter, at BP Show. But first... This is Peter the Full Gibson. Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. We were just talking about Bill Gates and uh, yes. his the company he started, Microsoft, yesterday for the first time in eight years. Microsoft actually overtook Apple in market cap value. It was more valuable than Apple for a very brief period of time. Microsoft reached a market cap value of. billion, followed by Apple at a market cap of $812.60 But remember, Apple went up over a trillion at one point, but that didn't last long. They did. So there's been some, this sort of saw Microsoft shoot up a little bit and Apple fall back a little bit. And for a very, very, very brief period of time. Microsoft was bigger than Apple. Now, well, it, a trillion here, a trillion there. Yeah, you know, it's pretty how soon it goes. you're talking real money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Apple first passed Microsoft back in 2010 and never looked back for the most part. It's always just sort of yeah. been more successful and more valuable than Microsoft. But again, uh, you know, Microsoft stock has been performing really well in recent years because of a lot of their gaming sales, Xbox and things like that. They're doing so well that that keeps them competitive. Uh, but it didn't last long. It didn't last long. I saw the new Microsoft store on Fifth Avenue last weekend in New York. Yeah. These Microsoft stores are a thing now. Yeah. They're, they're building they're, more they're and more. They're very of them. much like the uh, old, not the old, but the Apple stores. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Okay, so Paris is known for a lot of different things, but it is known as the City of Lights. Well, there was a very mysterious power cut yesterday Uh-oh. that hit a lot of different areas of Paris. Lights went out. Parisians were left in the dark. The Eiffel Tower was not lit up mm. at night. They were, mm. and they're not totally sure why exactly. It went off uh, in the north part of the city, along with uh, a couple of different areas in the city center. Uh, people immediately jumped onto social media to show. That they were without power. Some of the famous landmarks and iconic photos around Paris were without power. So everything is back to normal. Everything is fine. Don't okay. worry. You can still go to the City of Lights, and they will, in fact, still have lights. As long as nobody pulls the plug. That's right. That's right. This is the Bill Press Show. Put a Paris anymore. And here we are on a Tuesday, November 27. It is the uh, Bill Press Show. Sleep at the switch there a little bit. Good to see you today. Thank you, folks, for joining us. And I'm telling you, it's so exciting. There is life on Mars, and it's not even Saturday night. Yes, indeed. NASA proved it yesterday. Planting just right on target and right on time. Uh, this uh, new robotic geologist, they're calling it, on the Red Planet. And we'll be sending us back information about the planet for the next two years. A great, great triumph for American scientists. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We've got lots to talk about here as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. As we join you, of course, on television, on Free Speech TV, all across this great land of ours, and on the radio out in Chicago and the greater Chicago area. I hope you're recovering from that winter storm that blasted through there in the last couple of days. 
uh, on WCPT, the big progressive voice of Chicago, uh, fresh from the White House and yesterday's scrum on the South Lawn. Hunter Walker covers the White House for Yahoo News. And Hunter, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to do a briefing today. I was going to say, forget life on Mars. We've got life in the briefing room. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, uh, what what prompted this? I mean, I, I actually have a conspiracy theory. Are you, are you ready to hear it? I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. So the last briefing was apparently October 29th. I had to check that because it's been so long it's I been forgot. So, I didn't think there had been one in November yet. Right. right. So there hadn't been. Yeah. So this is November 27th. The last was October 29th. Oh. oh. I'm kind of suspecting that they wanted to avoid ever being able to say they went a whole month without one. Mm-hmm. So they're just like squeezing in this little post-Cyber Monday special at the White House. Right. <laughs> Well, uh, I this is that's as good a theory as any, right? <laughs> to explain what's going on. Now, here's what struck me yesterday. So, again, um, uh, with, with so few briefings, I don't go to the White House as often as I used to, yeah. but um, I do know that the president. You can. It's it's like impossible for him to walk from the Oval Office to Marine One without stopping to say hello to reporters, right? Sort I mean, sort of. I mean, so we we should has he, has he ever past the opportunity? Yes, he has. Okay. Um, and there was okay. also uh, this whole epic thing one time where they claimed there was bad weather and he couldn't take the helicopter on the sunniest day, so we didn't get a look at him. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is something going on here, and your listeners have heard me on here before, you know, railing against White House press access practices. Yes. And there was a long period where there were no briefings and we saw neither hide nor hair of the president. Um, and that has changed recently. So there has not been many briefings. It's turned into a monthly affair, whereas right. you know, once, the old, a, once a month. Right? Yeah, yeah, the old practice was like three times a week, and I think in the summer at, it was at even least three. Yeah, oh, and oh, it, you, I'm sorry, under Trump, right? I, no, I'm yeah, back to yeah. the Obama. I mean, years in the Obama in the Obama years, there were almost daily briefings. Yes. They were over an hour long. Yes, right. In the beginning with Spicer, I went to almost every one of them. Right. In know. in the beginning with Spicer, they were about three times a week and about forty minutes long. Sarah turned them around to about twenty minutes, and they got scarcer and scarcer. However, I'm going to give the White House a cookie here, <laughs> and what I mean, <laughs> rare, rare, yeah, this is this is a rare, you know, White House transparency breaking, cookie. Breaking news. Yes. Um, you know, President Trump had a press conference the other day. He had a press conference in New York. He has been doing these availabilities on the lawn. I I don't love it because, you know, as you saw yesterday, we're jostled around. You can't hear everything he's saying. The engines are roaring. Um, But he's talking to the press personally more. So, you know, Sarah may be talking less. Trump is talking more. I personally, just because I'm guessing here, attribute this to Bill Shine, the new communications director who came over from Fox News, because the access did start to increase and he started taking more questions under Bill. Here's what struck me. One, yeah. Many things that struck me. One of them is that here's the president of the United States uh, coming out, speaking to the media. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is nowhere in sight. Bill Shine, communications director, is nowhere in sight. It's just the president on his own. They have no idea what he's going to say or what he does say. Do you want to? Do you want a really good piece of gossip? I mean, here? seriously, <laughs> isn't? I mean, that's like the high wire without a net. And I was talking to staffers shortly shortly after the president went out on the lawn, and they said to me, "Oh, did he say anything?" <laughs> not only did they not know it had happened, he held forth for about you know twenty or thirty minutes on everything from the border to climate to GM. Yeah. Not only did they not know it happened, they didn't know what was said, and they had to ask me. It was incredible, and I couldn't tell them everything that was said because you and I were at one end of the scrum, <laughs> and he started 
in the middle, sort of, and then he worked his way down to where we were standing. I, I'm fond of saying when these things happen, if only there was a room that was set up for the press to speak to the president and his staff in an organized manner, maybe they could use that room. There's a good idea. <laughs> maybe we could take this swimming pool... <laughs> The inside so and cover it and make it a briefing room. <laughs> <laughs> but but they will use the briefing room for the first time in a long time today, and we're going to see Sarah. Um, I'm fond of doing an over under on these things, sort of a Price Is Right bet on how long the briefing is oh, going to yeah. be. Oh, uh-huh. um, typically I would bet 18 minutes. I'm going to give Sarah 22 minutes today. I bet, and, and you check me tomorrow. Let me okay. know if I was right. right. Okay. Not counting opening remarks, not counting guests. I bet Sarah Sanders is going to do 22 minutes of questions today. I'm going to go the Price is Right theme, and I'm going to say one minute. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't go over. No, no, you're a, you're a smart gambler. I, I don't know if anyone wants to come in at 23. <laughs> I, 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 I'm willing to bet that Peter or I will beat whoever comes in at 23. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, he, you and I uh, were talking about what we might want to ask him. And, of course, before we did, Eamon Travers, 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 sorry, uh, right in front of us asked the GM question. Yeah. Right. Uh, The president indicating uh, that um, he was telling us that he talked to the head of GM yesterday and uh, he thought that he might be able to convince her to um, adjust that policy or that decision just a little bit. Uh, here's what he says about maybe maybe some changes. We don't like it. Uh, I believe they'll be opening up something else. And uh, I was very tough. I spoke with her when I heard they were closing. And I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. You better get back in there soon. That's Ohio. And you better get back in there soon. So, so he seems to be, you know, trying to <laughs> put a word of hope out there. They could be coming back. Well, listen to that roar of the helicopter. That's the sound of democracy. <laughs> but, you know, I as this was happening right in front of us, I I had, you know, I, I had another question. But if I could have asked him about get to that. One yeah, yeah. Yes. If I could have asked him about GM, um, my question wouldn't have been, you know, did you meet with her? What are the details? But, you know, the president has repeatedly report pointed to overall economic performance and even, you know, openings and, and growth at individual companies as evidence of his fine work, you know, and sort of said that the economy's doing better than ever before. This is his doing, and this is the evidence. So he has now set himself up where when we see something pretty big like this, we yeah. have to say, Mr. President, does this say anything negative about your stewardship of the economy? And, you know, there are a lot of indications in what happened with GM. I mean, there was an individual Chevy model that was not selling um, in part because oil prices have gotten so low, which has to do with the opening up of natural gas by the Mm -hmm. president. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also these issues with steel tariffs. Um, And these created a tough climate for GM. I mean, obviously, you know, Ford's out of sedans. I mean, the auto market is rough in a lot of ways. But, you know, he has shaken up the economy. And, you know, Wall Street continually, particularly around this, you know, Saudi imbroglio, is saying that uncertainty is bad. That's almost the one thing they don't know how to deal with. Right, right. (laughs) But but he, uh, uh, before that, just before the, the clip we heard, he, he started out by saying had nothing to do with tariffs. She said had nothing to do with tariffs. Yeah. She also said the tariffs are going to cost GM a billion dollars. Right. Yeah. I so mean, are tariffs... you suggesting the president wasn't being truthful when he spoke to us on the lawn, <laughs> Bill? I'm suggesting <laughs> the tariffs certainly were one of the factors. 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's inarguable. I mean, we're seeing it in the analyst notes um, that are coming out on this. And I mean, in general, you know, um, not to turn this into the Alex Jones show here. I would never do that to you. You mean no conspiracy theory here? <laughs> no, but I mean, I've seen I, the documents. You've seen the documents. We're all going to talk about what's really going on here in America. <laughs> Look, I think the economy is is there's a lot of indications that we could be headed for some rough times in the economy. Yeah, and I'm not going to suggest your listeners should go out and you know buy my vitamins supplements available on my Twitter page. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, I think, you know, GM is a huge bellwether company. And, you know, we're seeing weird things like housing prices start to buckle in California. Um, you know, I, I think we've had a long period of kind of sustained growth. And, you know, there was a lot of concern when President Trump made changes at the Fed, some of this deregulation he was doing, that he could run the economy too hot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I said before, he's making these dramatic changes. He's got uncertain international relationships and he heated everything up with sort of corporate friendly deregulation right I want to come back to what you said earlier too about um, he um, has made certain promises and this goes back to the clip that everybody was playing yesterday Um, we're back in as president I thought this was originally as a candidate but as president back in 2017 he's out in Youngstown Ohio talking then about the jobs that had already lost Ohio and indicating, hey, trust me, I'm going to bring all those jobs back. I was looking at some of those big, once incredible job-producing factories, and my wife, Melania, said, what happened? I said, those jobs have left Ohio. They're all coming back. They're all coming back. Coming back. There you go. Don't move. Don't move. Don't sell your house. Don't sell your house. Don't sell your house. They're all coming back. Yeah. Right. And, and another another report that just came out from the Federal Reserve um, showed that farm bankruptcies in the upper Midwest, and this is really sort of the Trump mm. country, right? Wisconsin, Minnesota, Montana, North and South Dakota. The, the farm bankruptcies there doubled from 2017 to 2018. So these Whoa. are some of the negative indications, and a lot of them are hitting right in Trump country. Trump country, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and, and the, the way, tariffs have hurt the the uh, uh, corn and soy farmers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is this is there's a lot of rough times in the agricultural communities that he really specifically promised he would save. Which, which and some uh, commentators, uh, people in your job and mine, <laughs> uh, have um, made that point that Donald Trump could almost get away with anything, as he said, he could shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, right? Right. Or the Saudis could kill somebody in their embassy and we do nothing about it. You almost get away with anything but a crash in the economy. Well, we'll have to see, won't we? Um, and then also, you know, another one of his big promises. I'm trying to blame it on Obama. If it ha- <laughs> God for, I, I, I don't want it to happen, right? Because of my 401k, I'm, yeah. it's doing well. I mean, it'll be terrible for all of us. Terrible for all of us. But were it to happen, he'd blame it on Obama. I mean, the signs are there. I think it's the economy is starting to quiver, um, for lack of a better word. And then also another important thing, you know, as he made all of these promises of sort of rural rejuvenation, um, one of the key elements of that was saying that he was going to you know, bring back coal, clean coal, he was fond of saying. And now you have his own administration publishing this climate report that he tried to bury, saying that, you know, coal in particular is having a devastating climate impact in the U.S. So, you know, you have this situation where he made these unrealistic promises. He bet on industries that may be hurting the country and it doesn't seem to be panning out. Right. Well, on that point, 
Um, we just talked about this with uh, Amy Harder too from uh, from Axios. Uh, we I thought the president gave on the climate change report uh, probably the most detailed and substantive analysis of the climate change report that I've heard from anybody. And his comment yesterday summed it up very very uh, just a few words. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. So there you have a report. From the federal government, the Trump, 13 agencies of the federal government, the scientists who say climate change is real, it's serious, it's a lot more serious than we thought, and, it's, and it could blow 10% of the American economy if we don't do anything about it. And the president just says, I don't believe it. So e- even though there we're seeing the president disagree with science, including his own scientists, um, I actually find it refreshing, and I'll tell you why. We spent You're months. You're giving them too many cookies. Well, today. no, no. This is this is the same cookie. We spent months chasing Sean Spicer, including me. I asked this in the briefing room. Does the president oh, believe yeah. human activity contributed to climate change? Because he, you know, he tweeted extensively in 2013, 2014 yes. that it was a hoax. Yeah. And and they never updated that position. And so this is why it's good that we get the president, you know, speaking directly with reporters because, you know, we did get an answer on this. So good or bad, you get an answer. The president doesn't believe in climate change despite all accepted science. We now know that. And, and uh, you know. I'm glad we get to get this information directly from him so people can then evaluate it. Right. And so when the worst happens, at least we know one person who gets a lot of the blame, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't I can't say that it's one person at this point. I no, mean, well, right, you know, one, one thing that worries me when whenever I, it strikes me, I, I read um, National Geographic all the time. It's such a good magazine. Um, and, you know, they had this recent article where it was um, – astronauts and scientists just like telling us we're all doomed basically and we're not listening to these really loud warnings and and it's it started years ago and honestly even if we got our act together tomorrow what would china and india do i mean the the it's really stark when you read the scientific data and it seems like we just might be on a collision course with a completely different looking world right uh, among other t- uh, issues at the White House, and I, I, I want to get to the border and your your question um, thrown at the president yesterday just in a little bit. But um, uh, of all things to happen, uh, and you wrote about this, last week we found out that Hillary Clinton is not the only one using a private email server for government emails, right? Yeah. Ivanka. But Ivanka's emails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she said... What? She didn't know the rules? Yeah. So basically... Um, I mean, is this a big deal or... Well, look, I I said at the time, I, I, I think I even called into your show with this because I was still in New York. I don't think Hillary's email scandal was nothing. It was clearly an end run around FOIA regulations. I mean, it, it was at mo- it was certainly dumb for her to do. It, it, it was... Yeah. Sure, I mean, look, she, she yeah. had a plausible... Um, thing to say that, look, email regulations weren't super fully formed. Both Condoleezza Rice and Colin Powell had private emails. Um, they were doing less business on email in that era. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, you know, these this wasn't necessarily 100% against the law, but it was also clear, like, what she was trying to do. And she did unilaterally on her own delete 30,000 emails after her emails were requested from the State Department. So this wasn't a situation where a judge or some third party sat in there and decided what was personal and what should be preserved according Mm -hmm. to government regulations. Mm -hmm. So she may may have broken some rules, and clearly I think, you know, the, the legal term would be the spirit of what Hillary did 
was to avoid transparency. Yeah. So so I'll give All Trump right. a transparency cookie. Hillary Hillary gets a transparency uh, finger <laughs> wag on that one. Um, now Ivanka, what has come out is that you know sort of in this period, basically she didn't officially become a White House advisor, I believe, until March 2017. So from the period of the president being elected until her official entrance in the White House, she was engaging in some official business on this private server. Jared Kushner did this as well. Mm -hmm. This was a bit known, but um, the Washington Post broke the story of a new government review that showed her official business that was conducted on this private address was more extensive than was previously known. Mm. And it's exactly the same situation as Hillary. Um, I think the difference, there's two differences. One is this was a set period rather than say Hillary's entire time as Secretary of State. So we're talking about a lower volume of official business. But on the flip side, due to the Hillary email scandal, it's completely implausible to say no one knew that this was totally unsavory and was something that particularly President Trump, said should be prosecuted. Lock her up. So Ivanka, so, you know, look, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say the popular line that Hillary did nothing, but it was serious in both cases, and both of them did the same thing. Yeah. It's just hard to believe that, as you said, after all the hearings that they had on Capitol Hill, and after her father made this, like, the centerpiece of his campaign... It's stunning. I mean, I, I was doing some some digital excavation on the domain names that Ivanka and Jared were using. These were stored at the I mean, these were on a server at the Trump organization. After all of his, you know, Hillary had a server in her basement. These were on a server at the Trump organization run by the Trump real estate company's IT guy. That's who was in charge of these official government emails. Um, And, you know, what then happened, so Trump comes out on the South Lawn, this is last week, um, and, you know, he gets the obvious question of, um, you know, um, how is this different than what Hillary did? And his answer was not an answer. It was, they. well, I mean, it was an answer, technically. He said they were all preserved. They were all, all necessary official emails were preserved according to government regulations. And look, there is something Hillary or Ivanka could have done here, which is, oh my God, I realized I shouldn't have done this. I didn't know, which they mm-hmm. both said. Here, government, please take my server, evaluate it so you can see that nothing was deleted and preserve any emails you think you need to, right? So if Trump said they were all preserved and then said she handed over her server for an official review, that would have been, yeah. That would be pretty fair. I mean, there's still some chance things could have been deleted, but that would be pretty good. But he just said they were all preserved. So I asked him, I said, Mr. President, this was on a private server at your company. How do you know they were all preserved? And his answer to me was, they were all preserved. The lawyers said they were all preserved. And, you know, if you read the Washington Post article, and I, this guy wouldn't comment to me when I pressed him on this, Abby Lowell, who's Ivanka and Jared's lawyer, right. claims that he reviewed these emails. But Abby Lowell is accountable to no one except his billable yeah. hours. Yeah. Nobody elected him. So I don't think that answer is remotely satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Um, on another issue, um, we remember in Helsinki when the president met with Vladimir Putin, and he was asked about, well, uh, the CIA, uh, I mean, all of our intelligence agencies say that Russia uh, inter- interfered in the 2016 election, blah, blah, blah. And Donald Trump said, well, he denies it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I have to go with him because he denies it. 
um, we're seeing the very, very same language with um, MBS, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, where our intelligence agencies say he basically ordered them to lure Khashoggi into the consulate in Istanbul and to murder him and get rid of the body somehow. And Donald Trump says, well, he denies it, so I believe him rather than our intelli- than the CIA. Uh, is that the end of the story? Well, I, I would argue that Trump's point is slightly more nuanced than that. Um, he did, you know, he had a line in... N- nuance is not my... <laughs> it's not my line. <laughs> and it's rarely Trump's, by the way. But, you know, so he sent out this extraordinary statement last week. And by the way, if I may just, you know... Um, air my pet peeve here. They send out this extraordinary statement after the entire White House press corps was moved into the Rose Garden away from their computers for the turkey pardoning. <laughs> and I ended up sitting Is that there. that when it did? Yeah. Really? They dropped it literally the minute we were all, you, you know, they bring yeah. you out into the Rose Garden oh, yeah. and they shut yeah. those palm room doors. Yes. And then the statement hit our inboxes. And I just almost out of spite wrote that Darn story on my phone. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was watching peas and carrots and writing about Khashoggi. (laughs) You know, it's not going to work on me. But um, it was this extraordinary statement with eight exclamation points, you know, where President Trump begins. He says, America first. And he basically explains his rationale for not making any real fundamental change to the relationship with Saudi Arabia. While acknowledging we've sanctioned, you know, these low level officials who are part of the hit squad who are not here in the U.S. anyway. But, but, you know, sum it up, follow the money we're not making well we'll get to that in a second but um you know so he makes this statement and he says sort of what you were saying which is you know maybe he did it maybe he didn't that that the word he also said the cia report said maybe he did maybe he didn't no the cia report was pretty conclusive yes but trump sort of allowed you know the possibility that you know as you said in this you know helsinki-esque moment like my friend says he didn't do it Maybe he's lying to me, maybe not. But but what's really extraordinary in that statement and in Trump's prior public comments about this, um, and also in what White House officials have told me on background, um, our relationship with Saudi Arabia is so strategically important to them. They've bet so much on this relationship um, in terms of resolving the situation in Yemen, in terms of resolving the situation in Syria, in terms of getting an Israeli peace plan, um, that... They don't feel like we can really combat Saudi Arabia. Too, and big, then, too big to fail. Right. And then the president is saying, you know, economically, given these military contracts, we don't feel like we can really cross Saudi Arabia. So that's, you know, keep in mind, as he's saying America first, yes. he's basically yeah. admitting that this tiny Gulf nation yeah. is right. too big for us to tangle with, too important in the region for us to tangle with. So that is an extraordinary shift in, I think, how uh, America has always conceptualized itself. Um, and look, you know, let, let's let's um, let's be careful with this, right? There is a lot of strategic importance. That region is a tinderbox. I mean, there are a lot of reasons, you know, as, as people, as some White House officials have, have hinted to me, um, one guy died. And I, I hate to say it that way because the death was brutal. He's a, he's a journalist, a dissident. Um, but Saudi Arabia kills people all the time. And we've been okay with that. And are we going to blow it up for this one guy? That's sort of the official line right now. And there might be some rationale for that. Um, The proof will be in the pudding, right? Do we get a peace plan with Saudi help? Or does the situation in Israel and Palestine remain horrible 
right? Do we resolve the situation in Syria? Do we resolve the situation in Yemen? Or does Saudi Arabia continue to do strikes that are causing widespread civilian deaths? So right now, everything looks bad, but the White House is claiming we have this important relationship that will help fix it. Right. Uh, By the way, one other thing that looks bad is uh, Jared's talking about $110 billion in arms sales, and the reality so far is like 14. Right. Thank you. Yes. That's another thing. That's another thing million. where the proof is in the pudding. I, I, yeah. I don't have the it's, – it's in some of my stories. I don't have the exact yeah. figures. But but this contract that Trump keeps talking right. about, right. It, wasn't, it wasn't a sale. No. It is a promise that Saudi Arabia will spend, I believe, up to $450 billion. Um, and I think they've, they've so far spent just a quarter of that. So, you know, this is one of those things where the White House is saying, trust us, this relationship is too important to gamble over this, uh, over this atrocity. They admit it's an atrocity. Um, and we'll just have to see. I mean, you know, for that argument to be correct, all the 450 million will need to come through. The economy will need to be good. Um, Yemen will need to get resolved and Israel will need to get resolved. So that's that's a tall order. <laughs> right. uh, and in the background of all of this is so if we follow that money in terms of the arms deal. Yeah. Uh, so, some reporters have also pointed out that you have to look at the money in terms of Trump's business. Yes. And his the money that. He's made off Saudi Arabia. And he claims, I I found it very extraordinary. He walked out of the White House um, when he spoke to us on the lawn again after issuing that statement. And I think he proactively just said, I make no money with Saudi Arabia, which, A, there's indications that's not true. And I just, you know, I I find it very interesting. It was almost like he was self-conscious of it to bring it up, you know, apropos of nothing like that. Yeah, we know that they spent a lot of money at his properties, including... right. The Trump Hotel, which here, is, by the way, making money off of Saudi Arabia, let's is be making money <laughs> off of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, uh, so uh, lots going on, and again, uh, we didn't get to the border yet, but uh, we got another little time, so you can hang around. All right, uh, with Hunter Walker here from Yahoo Yahoo dot com, uh, uh, throwing his phone away in disgust because Donald Trump keeps tweeting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll take a quick break here, Tuesday, November twenty seventh. The Bill Press Show. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, how about it? Here we are, Tuesday, November 27. The Bill Press Show live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., in our studio on Capitol Hill, brought to you today by the good men and women of the Sheet Metal Air, Rail, and Transportation Workers Union. Put them all together. It's the Smart Union under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers, giving a fair day's work for a fair day's pay every day, you bet. Check out their website at smart-union.org. Uh, here in studio with us uh, from the White House, Yahoo News, uh, Hunter Walker. And Hunter, the president was down in Mississippi yesterday in Biloxi, Mississippi, known forever as the birthplace of the one and only Elvis. And, of course, Donald Trump has an Elvis connection. <laughs> we love Elvis. I, I shouldn't say this. You'll say I'm... Very oh. conceited, because I'm not. Uh, but other than the blonde uh, hair, when I was growing up, they said I looked right. like Elvis. You see that? Did you believe right. it? Okay. Yeah, Trump looks just like Elvis. Yeah, we are. We're going to play that one more time. Oh, no, I, I know this clip. Oh, you know yeah. this clip. Oh, I, okay. I mean, if yeah, your yeah, listeners sure. want to hear it again, I don't doubt. Folks, right. we know no, Elvis, right. don't we? Don't we love Elvis? And we folks, love he's Elvis. still alive, folks. We all know this, right? Uh, yeah, he's doing uh, so well. <laughs> and I look just like Elvis, right? <laughs> Uh, he, he sounds a lot like Elvis. He sounds too. a lot like Elvis. Listen. That is dangerous. That is damaging to myself, to my little daughter, to my father, 
to my friends, my doctor, to everybody, my relationship with you, my relationship with up here on the stage, it is dangerous. I will pull your damn tongue out by the roots. There he is. There he is. Is it Elvis or is it Trump? <laughs> Hard to tell which one. I, I, you know, I, j just knowing that Elvis was a legendary martial artist, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I think that he's the one pulling the tongue out by the roots. But, but the cadence, the cadence is close. So I told him earlier, and don't you get offended, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking to somebody else. If I find or hear the individual that has said that about me, I'm going to break your damn neck, you son of a bitch. There he is. Yay, Elvis. <laughs> Elvis could be president, by the way, in these times. Like, Elvis could totally be the president. I mean, he's now. been in the White House. He has. Oh, that's yeah. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, special narcotics. The special narcotics. That's right. <laughs> the very special. The most special. <laughs> the All best right. part about that story is that Elvis walked in there with his squad and they all were carrying guns, and they were like, uh, you can't carry guns in the Oval Office, dude. <laughs> that picture of uh, Richard Nixon with Elvis. It's the best. Is the best, and it is the top-selling item at the Nixon uh, Library. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. I tell you that. No, no stuff checkers? <laughs> I'm a federal agent, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, now, so uh, while we were there... Uh, 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 bothering the president or whatever yesterday. You had a question for him, which you shouted out as he walked away. He didn't answer it. Uh, do you remember the question? Yes, I, I asked. Um, so so he'd already been asked about the situation at the border. At the border, And people yes. being tear gassed. You put a special spin on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to try to dial in on this stuff because I feel like mm -hmm. often we get surface level. Yeah. Um, and I asked him sort of as a father... How did he feel about children being tear gassed on his orders? Yes. Um, and I think you and I both, we were standing next to each other. I, I think it's pretty clear he heard the question. He heard it. And he did not um, answer. He turned around and walked away. He yeah. had earlier uh, said, or uh, last night in Mississippi, uh, he said, this is really not a problem, um, the tear gas that we use against these children, because we have developed a kid-safe form of tear gas. The tear gas is a very minor form of the tear gas itself. Uh, it's very safe. Uh, do we have such a? Is there such well, a? Tear yeah, and I, I don't know if you know that the head of this like border agents group um, was suggesting that this was good because it has pepper in it and they can put it on their Mexican food. No. Yes, he went on cable news. I, I'm sure it was Fox, but he, he went on cable news and said this. It was Fox. Yeah. yeah. You, you could put it on your nachos. It's it's very mild. That's how he put it. You know, I just that, that I'm speechless. And 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 I'll uh. I'll tell you, Bill, I, I've been tear gassed myself um, twice, at least I think twice. Um, and and particularly the first time. I mean, I, I read this interview that um, BuzzFeed did with the woman in that iconic photo mm -hmm. who was running mm -hmm. away with her children, yeah. and she said, "I thought I was going to die." Yeah. And and I have to tell you, um, when you are tear gassed, if you take in enough of it your lungs start to really feel like they are imminently going to collapse or burst in some way. Um, and even, you know, the time it happened to me with the um, knowledge that probably this was non-lethal, I still felt like I might die in that moment. Um, so I don't know. I mean, medically, I have to think that that's not healthy and that that's a trauma that is not healthy. But but whether that's true or not, mentally, I am sure that that many of those people who took in tear gas, and this is just based on my own experience, imminently felt like they might die.
Right. Uh, this woman, her name is Maria Mesa, was quoted by uh, BuzzFeed saying, I felt sad. I was scared. I wanted to cry. Now, here's a key sentence. That's when I grabbed my daughters yeah. and ran. So the president picks up on that yesterday, and his comment about this woman uh, was that she wasn't a mother, she wasn't a parent, she wasn't a woman, she was a grabber. In some cases, you know, they're not the parents. These are people, they call them grabbers. They grab a child because they think they're going to have a certain... Uh, they're going to have a certain status by having a child. You know, you have certain advantages in terms of our crazy laws. I, I love that the, impl- the the implication there is they grab these children because they think they're going to be safe. Well, we got news for you. You're not going to be safe just because you get a child. In other words, we're not above gassing you and the child that you're carrying, whether it's yours or another child. Uh, that seems to be the message. And again, um, you know, he just smears her, this iconic photo of this woman with one baby infant in each arm and she's not a parent she's not a mother she's a grabber well this this grabbing line actually blew up a little bit yesterday but it was interesting to me because this is not the first time he said this um and you know i was at the white house um earlier this month um i believe it was this month it was the day that that pastor freed from turkey came to the white house mm-hmm. and i was pulled mm-hmm. that day mm-hmm. so it was a saturday mm-hmm. um and i think the things the president said that day got less attention because there was so much news that day there was the khashoggi there was the pastor and it was a saturday but um on the white house lawn phil rucker from wapo asked the president um about new reports that he was considering you know sort of a new version of the child separation policy that would separate more kids. Um, And Trump made that excuse that he's made several times that um, Obama did this in 2014. Um, And you'll remember the photos. And as someone who helped find and publish those photos in 2014, it's something I've long wanted to press him on. So I said to him, Mr. President, in 2014, those children were largely unaccompanied, but your administration has actually been separating families. Is it really the same thing? And now I'm directly quoting him. This is the transcript from that day. He said, you have children coming in and they're coming through Mexico and they are unaccompanied. They have no parents. They may be back in the country that they come from, Honduras and a lot of other countries, or they may not. But you have many people coming up Many young children, I mean really young children, and they're pouring in through Mexico, dot, dot, dot. They have no parents. Um, and then he said at, at one point a little later, people are grabbing children and they're using children to come into our country in many cases. So that's it. So these little toddlers are like just crawling across the border and people are grabbing them and running I mean, you know, he's he's basically advancing this conspiracy theory that everyone you see crossing the border is a human trafficker with a child that is not their own. And, right. And right. there is some of that going on. I don't want to minimize that. But it's but but it's a conspiracy theory. It's a false conspiracy theory to suggest that is the sum total of what we're seeing. And as Peter pointed out, even if these kids are being trafficked, yes. they may be the best asylum cases there is. Right. Um, but then separate from that, I mean, I just found it stunning and I couldn't believe this comment didn't, you know, attract more attention at the time. The president told me these children, some of them have no parents. That's a quote. Yeah, That's right. a quote. And look, I, I was actually talking to someone sort of uh, working with kids on the border last night. There are a lot of unaccompanied kids in this latest wave. There are a lot of kids coming over alone or coming over with people that have questionable relationships to them. But that doesn't mean that there are not some intact families coming over that are being gassed and separated. It also doesn't mean that a kid, whether that in the arms of parent or non-parent, should be tear gassed, yeah. right? Um, the president also said again yesterday, and, and I keep, I was on CNN the other day, and this guy was throwing this, kept throwing this number around, that there are 500 
criminals yes. in that in that caravan. What's that based on? Uh, I'm not really 100% sure. Glenn Kessler, the Washington Post fact checker, um, you know, was was up early this morning pushing out, you know, um, that we really should take that with a grain of salt. And I think it's, you know, I've been reading um, the Spanish language Mexican updates on the caravan, uh, so to speak, caravan. And, you know, there's not that detailed information about the composition of this group. It's moving. Some people are staying in Mexico. It's in some ways disilluding. You know, it's not this. It, we didn't have this mass of 7,000 people coming to the border. And if you think of it logistically, even if we did, how would you possibly conduct a detailed survey of that until they got here and were processed, which we're not doing since we're repelling them? Um And, you know, also, and I can say this from personal experience, I've repeatedly, you know, tried to reach out to DHS for details and stats about this caravan. And and they're being fairly opaque about it while simply saying, you know, there are some criminals. Trust us. But but again, you know, let me say, I mean, Honduras, Central America, part of what's happening in this northern triangle region um, that is causing this migrant wave that we've had, you know, since 2014 when Obama Mm -hmm. did, you know, detain yeah. some unaccompanied right. children, um, is there's a huge amount of violence in these countries. There is a huge amount of violence in these communities. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure there are some people attempting to cross the border, even in this group, that are, you know, unsavory, let's say. But, but that's why you process people. I was just going that's to say, why we that's why we have this. a process, right? And, and that process... Can take up to 36 months, I've seen in yeah. many cases. And, and also, I think it's really important. I mean, anytime we bring up, you know, the situations in Central America, it's important to talk about how American foreign policy, American drug policy in particular, and American gun laws have contributed to the situations down there. I mean, you know, th- there were stats that the overwhelming majority of guns seized from cartel violence in Mexico are coming from the U.S. In fact, coming so many of them coming from right near here in Virginia. So, you know, it, it's not as though we can pretend that this horrible situation essentially happening in our neighborhood is totally, you know, the creation of these other people and we're devoid of responsibility there. Uh, by the way, I think it might have been before you moved down here to Washington from New York, uh, I was in the Rose Garden uh, with President Obama and the president of Mexico uh, early on in his administration when uh, the, someone asked the president of Mexico about the gun violence in Mexico, yeah. and he said, thank you for that question, and the fact is that most of those guns in Mexico are coming from your country. And yeah, and Mexico has very strict gun Bingo. control laws. Um, And then also the cartels, they are by and large not existing and drawing their revenue from selling drugs in Mexico. It is Mm -hmm. our war on drugs and our desire for drugs that has fueled these criminal organizations that are then, you know, operating with guns from manufactured and sold in this country. As we've been speaking here in the last couple of minutes, um, uh, the president has been tweeting away using his executive time to full advantage. Uh, and with several of them, but let me start with this one. He's this is a, a Johnny One Note almost with Donald Trump uh, when he has nothing else to tweet about. He tweets about Robert Mueller. Quote: The phony witch hunt continues, but Mueller and his gang of angry Dems are only looking at one side, not the other. Wait until it comes out how horribly and viciously they are treating people, ruining lives for them refusing to lie, which, of course, is grammatically incorrect. 
Uh, Mueller is a conflicted prosecutor gone rogue. Is this um, in response to the news that Paul Manafort uh, may be in more trouble for lying to Robert Mueller? I, I think it must be. And I think, you know, basically what we saw last night was this, this you know, um, really tantalizing um, three-page document come out from the Mueller team um, saying basically that they're calling on a judge to uh, abandon Manafort's plea deal um, because he continued committing crimes um, while in custody, right? After making the plea after deal, the they plea say deal. he continued yeah. making false statements and continued um, committing crimes. His his attorneys deny this, um, but you know they're basically they they just had George Papadopoulos, the lower mm-hmm. level Trump campaign aide, report to jail. Yesterday. They are trying to put Paul Manafort in jail. Um, and these are indications that the Mueller probe is heating up. And well, now Manafort's going to jail, right? Well, now here's the big question. And here's really, I think, a big story right now. The acting attorney general, Whitaker, right? Since he's been installed, he's someone who's expressed hostility to the Mueller probe, right? He's now in control, not not Rod Rosenstein, since Jeff Sessions left. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a story a while ago on Sam Clovis, um, who was Papadopoulos' supervisor right. and is a good friend and longtime associate of Whitaker. And Clovis was on his own podcast earlier this month um, in between ads for, how can I say this? Um, ED? Bull breeding. Oh, bull breeding. Well, I was close. Yes, cow relations. I'm just mad I didn't get another new sponsor between my brain pills. Now I gotta, now I gotta get to worry about the bull breeding sponsors. We're gonna get them. Well, the best part was uh, the guy who sells this um, bull semen. Yes, thank you. I didn't know if I could say that on the on, on the Bill Press show well, airwaves. It, so. the, the guy who sells this bull essence um, is actually a Republican dark money donor, Charles Herbster, who, um, while Clovis was at an ag, um, they tried to get oh. in for a position. So now he's handing Clovis money, but that's a separate storyline. So Clovis is on this <laughs> podcast that somehow has these dark money ads and yet doesn't seem to have very many listeners besides a curious reporter such as yeah, myself. So. And he's ranting um, about how you know his good friend Whitaker is going to, quote, do the right thing and won't let the Mueller probe get, quote, out of control. And that's sort of the fear mm. among a lot of people is that now Whitaker is in position to, you know, I know some people who say yeah. that you would still need Congress to fully curb the Mueller probe, but Whitaker certainly is able to now tell Trump information about what yes. Mueller's doing oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. he didn't have before. No, 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 and you know he will. And Yeah, and he can potentially um, try to curb or shut down the probe, which I think, you know, a guy but, like Paul Manafort certainly seems to be confident in. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm continually amazed. I mean, and, and, you know, this is what Jerome Corsi's in trouble for. If you know the government is grabbing the communications of your friends and your aides, and you know that you said something in an email, in a text, in a documented way, you can't lie to them about it. You can't lie to them about it. But so far, the indication, if true, that, Man- well, we know that Mueller is saying uh, we want Manafort's deal yeah. re- re- revoked. And they're still, and they're talking about to make a deal. Seems like with they're negotiating at least yeah. with Jerome Corsi, would indicate that Whitaker has not put the brakes on him yet. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I do think that um, you know what I heard from Clovis. Um, and also the president's communications where he seems to, you know, he, he's been railing against the Mueller probe for a long time. But the tweets have recently and this is this is just my analysis. This is not really a fact. Right. But but it, it, 
tone of the tweets seems to have changed. They seem to have become slightly more detailed. And it's hard for me not to expect mm. the president is now having new information about the Mueller probe. And I, again, you know, I'm very careful. Well, Everything else I've said on this show is facts, reports, whatever. Right. That That is analysis. But, but it on, does seem like Whitaker's telling him something. On that point, what do we know, if anything, uh, about the questionnaire that Donald Trump answered and what it was, you know, what direction it went in. I think Rudy or somebody said it was all about collusion and not about obstruction. Do we know that? I mean, you know, uh, my colleague um, Lupe Lupin and I, um, he's our legal analyst and that is his real name. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, (laughs) we, we did a story recently saying that you have to be careful when talking about Mueller. I think a lot of pundits and folks are out there talking too freely about the Mueller probe. Because the truth is, it's been pretty much a lockbox. We're not oh, yeah. getting a ton of oh, leads yeah. from it. And so a lot of the information that we're getting from it is coming from either people who've been questioned by Mueller. So these are targets who have their own motivations. Um, and also the president's legal team. So I would not really take too much um, from Rudy Giuliani's uh, characterization of the written questionnaire. And in fact, and I put this out in the same story, um, I had heard rumblings from in the president's camp that were vigorously denied by Jay Sekulow that um, he was unhappy with how Rudy handled uh, the written mm. questionnaire. And Rudy seemed to, you know, there was a moment where he was on TV constantly Oh, no, no, no. There. We've, we've been asking that question. Whatever happened to Rudy? And I asked yeah. it too. And I just heard, you know, from the president's, uh, from people familiar with the legal team that Rudy was fully engaged and it wasn't a problem. But then I was hearing from other people whispering in my ear that, that, that there was some kind of issue with Rudy. And I can tell you that at one point during this, I called Rudy and I heard the, the telltale single beep of, uh, of his phone ring that he wasn't even in the country. You know, the international, oh, if I call oh, you yeah. for beep, yeah. beep. Yeah. Well, so, he's still doing some consulting with, I mean, he's still got his consulting right. business. But, so now it. Rudy right. seems to be back. But, but you know, I would just say take everything with a grain of salt. And I think, you know, there's a tendency, I think, because we're all curious and we all want to know what's happening. Um, and also because uh, cable in particular needs to create content to wildly speculate about Mueller. Whereas all I can tell you is, you know, I'll tell you what's in the three page document he actually released. Right. I'll tell you it seems to be heating up. I'll tell you about the plea deals we know about. Um, But, you know, I'll tell you things about like questioning that's really gotten out there that we know has happened. But um, all all we know for sure is that the president has indicated he and his team have responded to these legal Mm -hmm. these legal questions. And I think what that Mm -hmm. means is right now, at least publicly, he's indicating that he is cooperating with the Mueller probe rather than doing any effort to fully shut it down. And we'll see if that changes. No matter what the tweets are. Uh, Hunter Walker, again, here from Yahoo News. As you can tell, if you didn't know this before, uh, nobody better connected um, with what's going on at the White House. Check check him out and follow him at yahoo.com. Finally, I want to ask you, what is your take on the Thanksgiving Day phone (laughs) call that Donald Trump made to the troops rather than going like, President Bush did, President Obama did, to the war zone to serve them turkey dinner. He yeah. called them from gold-plated Mar-a-Lago in a phone call that really went off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this, about a minute and a half. This yeah. is one of those presidential traditions that just seems to have gone out the window. I mean, mm-hmm. the yeah. president typically visits the troops on Thanksgiving. Right. Um, 
President Trump did not do this. Oh. He he went to his country club in Mar-a-Lago. He golfed with Jack Nicholas, mm-hmm. um, and he called them from this. I mean, Mar-a-Lago is an incredible place. It was built, you know, it, it's got this ornate yeah. architecture, and he's calling them from this gilded dining room. And he got very political. So all of this is is new. Let's say that he was asking them to comment on John Roberts, right? Um, uh, the border, yeah. Yeah. And he and and let's be clear, not only did he not visit the troops on Thanksgiving as is customary, he has yet to visit the troops in a war zone. He sent Jared Kushner to visit troops in a war zone, but he has not done this. Um, And it comes amid rumors and reports that he's afraid to do so. And he vigorously denies that. But I mean, to me, there's one way to really prove that wrong and it would be going there. So just like with the Saudi thing, we'll say the proof is going to be in the pudding. Right. Uh, Yeah. It's been almost two years. And. You said it was a tradition, yeah. uh, just like it was also a tradition for the president to go to Arlington National Cemetery on Veterans Day. Yes. <laughs> Lots of traditions out the window now, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, traditions and institutions. <laughs> but you're still here. We're still here. Hey, damn right. Going stronger <laughs> than ever. Okay, again. Thanks, Hunter. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks for having me. Great, great hour together. Uh, Hunter Walker, Yahoo News, Yahoo.com. Uh, That kind of does it for us on this Tuesday. The rest of the day is yours. Make the most of it and then uh, come back and see us again tomorrow. We'll be looking for you. This is the Bill Press Show.